everyone, and welcome to this conversation presented by White House Custom Color. I'm Jed Toffer. Thanks for listening. You know, my wife Vicki and I have owned and operated our photography studio, V Gallery, for 20 years now. White House has been our lab for the last 16 of those years, and we could not be happier. White House is a family-run business, just like ours. If you haven't already, check them out at whcc.com. And if you want to drop me a line, feel free to email me at jed at whcc.com. You know how some people are just fun to talk to? And how every once in a while, they're also fun to listen to as well? I've officially released 99 of these interviews, and a couple people have sat with me twice. Jared Platt is one such person, and I think he's brilliant. If you haven't heard our first interview, scroll back and listen to it. I had no idea what we were going to discuss this time, but I knew I would enjoy it, and I did. I hope you do too. So, uh... You know, last time, uh, the, I, I like the cold opening here. That's nice. Did I did I now, do that last time, or did I start? Did I have to start with some sort of an intro? Cause no, I, used to, I think I think last time, I don't know what we did last time. I changed my format. At some I actually point. thought about listening to it so that I wouldn't repeat myself. <laughs> I know that you talked about your superpower being oh yeah uh, controlled narcolepsy. No, <laughs> was well, that no, I have. Two superpowers, <laughs> controlled narcolepsy and apathy. <laughs> apathy. So those of I you, forgot about so if apathy. someone doesn't know what we're talking about, just go back and listen to the prior oh, podcast. I forgot. Because apathy about is the apathy one of, yeah, that's one of the most important superpowers you can have. If the whole world had apathy, probably wouldn't get a lot done, but we'd be a lot nicer. No war. I don't know. How, all right, real quickly. How there would do you, be no how war. How do you define? Yeah, because nobody would care about anything. Right. Well, there would be no anything. See, there would be no. You're forgetting that a superpower has to be able to turn on and off. <sighs> Because Superman flying all the time would be a problem. So, con- right, you said that controlled narcolepsy and controlled apathy. So, yes. w- w- is it okay? Let me ask you this: Does the controlled apathy manifest when you feel as though, ooh, I'm starting to care too much, like the limiter? This is yes, a weird. This it, is a it weird. It is. It's like an audio limiter. I'm starting on apathy. to care too much. Flip the switch. Flip the now switch. I don't care anymore. That's right. How does that manifest in your life? Tell me an example. Oh boy! I'm really um, starting to fall in love with my wife. Better That's stop caring too much. Yeah, I don't so, want to get hurt. Like golf. Okay. So you're golfing, mm-hmm. and you get a really nice first shot. Then the second shot, you duff it, and it goes into like a sand trap. Uh huh. And then you hit in the sand trap, and it goes into the sand trap again because it doesn't get out. At that point, you got to turn on apathy and say, you know what? That's okay. I don't mind hitting out of the sand. I need the practice anyway. Interesting. So you're not worried about your overall score. Yeah, at that point you're like, I don't anyway. care about my score. You can, right. and there's varying degrees of apathy. There's like hmm. apathy to the point you just pick up the ball, put it in your pocket, and leave. Right. Because you don't care about golf anymore. Right. <laughs> yeah. And then there's apathy where it's like, okay, if I just put a little apathy on this, I don't care about the score, but I care about learning. You know, and yeah. and, and becoming better. Yeah. So then I'm okay if I'm behind a tree because it's a challenge and it's a fun challenge. It doesn't matter to me anymore that I'm going to get a bad score. But I did have a topic. What's the topic? 
learning because we're we're actually here at a conference yep. and i was having a conversation portrait masters yesterday you know, we we're at portrait masters mm -hmm. so i figured we're all in this learning mode and i was having a conversation with someone on the show floor that has people coming over to a shooting booth you had a lot of conversations on the show floor. You're you're yes. uh, you're in the Adobe booth right across from our White House booth. Correct. And yeah, you I get to watch you guys the whole time. Well, you can't watch us. You got a lot of stuff going on. Oh, I can. We're watching you. I can multitask. <laughs> Actually, today we're going to talk stuff that's going to be specific to White House. Which is what? Well, because I downloaded a whole bunch of profiles right. from White House, mm -hmm. and then I can see what it's going to look like before I print it. Mm -hmm. Because you know, it's weird to print something on say a metallic paper and then right. find out that it looks like crap because metallic right. paper and this subject doesn't work right but with a profile i can just turn it on and my monitor will show me what it's going to look like when i print it so you can then soft proof I, the yeah so i don't waste yeah. the paper right and then i'm like oh i should print that on a glossy right. instead of a or metallic. maybe make some adjustments to sure potentially right to potentially it change it or mm -hmm. maybe i should use you know like a matte paper or right. something like that right so because because a lot of people, you know, they'll print on a matte paper because they think they want matte. And then they find out that the blacks look different. You know? Right. Because they kind of. that image in, in particular yeah, is not going to work as not well. Not going to work as well. Because yeah. there's a lot of black and it just looks kind of right. dingy or right. something. Right. But most people today, like that look that everybody has, that kind of bright, airy, mm -hmm. thin, filmy look, mm -hmm. looks awesome on matte paper. Yeah. So I think everybody that has that look should just stop printing on anything but matte. Yeah, you should go with matte. Because it's perfect. Yeah. It looks so amazing. Yeah, it works really well. So anyway, um, so we were. I was having this conversation with someone who will remain nameless. Okay. Um, that way I can have the conversation and sh she or he can speak the, the the feelings that I have in my head, but I'm not going to tell you they come from me. So um, this person was running a shooting booth and there were, they were constant lights, not flash constant lights. Mm -hmm. And uh, so with a constant light, it's really easy to see what you're going to get and get the exposure. Right. So you can walk up and see, Oh, that looks nice. Sure. I just need to change my exposure to get it right in right. my camera take a picture and I've got the you know, mm -hmm. got the shot and, uh, and people were coming up and asking for the settings. So like, what settings should I be setting this at? And she was like, that's strange because these are all photographers and they should come up and be able to work on, use their camera and get the exposure. Like they should be able to think through that process, but they just, but what they wanted was this person came up and wanted the solution to the problem. Just tell me what it is. Just tell me what it is. Cause I don't want to learn anything here. Hmm. I just want to get a picture. Hmm. And, and so that started me thinking there are two types of learning experiences in the photographic industry. Okay. The first type of learning experience is what's fairly common and it is show up at a workshop of some sort and the teacher or the rock star photographer poses the person, lights the person, takes the pictures of the person and everybody covers over them and shoots you know, from over their shoulder, under their legs, right? Like everybody's just, yeah. and it's like this gaggle of photographers, <laughs> like all, 
You know, it looks I like the it paparazzi. Is, I think it is a gaggle. It is. Right. It's technically right. a gaggle. Yes. Gaggle of photographers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And by the way, did you know that a group of crows is called a murder, murder of crows, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. So it's my favorite group yeah, name. Right. Mm-hmm. And so there's, I forget what, uh, what's the name of the, every animal has a different type mm-hmm. of, it's a pod of whales, a pod of whales mm-hmm. and a yeah. whatever. And yeah. one of them is a, a busy of bees. Are you serious? No, oh. that's a lie. That's a lie. <laughs> anyway, one of them is like, sorry. One of them is a ridiculous name. Like a, there's a lot of crazy ones. Yeah. If you look them up, it's They're fun. Funny. Those are fun to look up. Those are fun. Anyway, a little pro tip for everybody. Yeah. Pro tip. So, so that's the first kind of learning. I've seen the happens. gaggle. Yes, I get that. And there's no learning that's happening. That's the problem is that no one's doing it for themselves. They're allowing the other person to do it. And so if you wanted to learn okay. that way, okay. watch the pro do it mm-hmm. and ask questions mm-hmm. and put your camera away and take notes. Okay. Okay. That, that's the only way to learn in that scenario. Okay. Then there's another scenario. And that scenario is that the, the pro sets everything up and then lets you shoot. But still, even though you're, and, and, and oftentimes they'll be like, we're really helping you learn because we're going to let this person shoot for five seconds, then this person shoot for five seconds, then this. And I think over here at the Portrait Masters, they swap. Everybody swaps every like couple three minutes. minutes. Three mm-hmm. minutes. Okay. So every yep. three minutes, there's like a change. Yep. You hear, a, you hear a chime. Right. You hear a chime. Time to get out. Right. Which is great yeah. because everybody gets an opportunity. No, I actually like that system. I like that mm-hmm. system. But, the, but still the shortfall to the system is that someone set it up. And so really all you're doing is getting an opportunity to take photographs in someone else's setup. Now you get to pose people. The posing piece. That's the, I think that that's what I was going to get at. Yeah, you're, you can. You're you posing. Can, you're posing. Mm-hmm. So if you're just learning posing, great. Yeah. But if you're trying to learn exposure and lighting and all that kind of and composition and things like that and and setting up a scenario, you're not learning anything. Isn't the limiter though with what we're talking about, considering all the different things that go into being able to take a nice portrait consistently? Right. Isn't the limiting factor simply in this scenario time? Because you can't learn all seven, let's call it seven for a lack of a, of a, of a specific right. number, lighting, posing, you know, all the, where to put things. You, you got to focus on one of them. Right. Depth of field, you're, all the stuff. Right. You can't do all of that in three minutes effectively, can you? No. You can't, you, you can't go in there and be like, well, three minutes, there you go. But I, th- I do feel like you can get a, a nice little piece at least and take away some posing knowledge mm-hmm. in that, even though it's just that three minutes. So, I mean, if you're going to really, what I hear you saying, and I'm making this up, is that if you want to learn, you need to have some time, right? And mm-hmm. ideally have some time with that mentor where they can go through a lot of different things with you. Hey, let's focus on lighting. Now that's going to take a while, right? Like it can take a very long time, but if you have, if you want to learn like one lighting scenario, you can do that in 10 to 15 minutes and then, you know, practice posing within that scenario and then work on, I don't know, depth of field or whatever, all these different things that you can focus on, but you can't do all that in three minutes. No, you can't. But what you could do 
is if you have three minutes in station one, uh, three minutes in station two, three minutes. So if you have a, if you have a coordinated effort to train people, mm-hmm. the way you train them is say in this booth, we're going to talk about posing. Yeah. In this booth, you're going to learn how to change the ratios on the lights. Mm -hmm. In this booth, you're going to learn uh, angle. Mm -hmm. In this booth, you're going to learn about, you know, hair lights. Mm -hmm. In this booth, you're going to... And so if each booth or each scenario gave you an opportunity to practice a little thing, you could walk away with a lot of information and a lot of experience. Stations. Stations, George, and, stations. and we have stations like even at portrait masters, you have stations, but it's not as coordinated because you have like, for instance, the Fuji booths were awesome. Uh, at the very beginning of this conference, they had these series of Fuji booths that were really cool. I mean, the styling was really great. On I didn't them. see that. Oh, yeah. they were awesome. They yeah. did such a good job at setting up these booths yeah. and they had like branches hanging down oh. and, and I mean, it like, really looked cool nice. Scenes. All of them were yeah. great. Yeah. And so, but the problem is, is that again, I looked at it, I walked past there and they had a little bit of different lighting scenarios in each one, but generally they were all fairly well established lighting scenarios and they were all pretty much the same. Similar. Yeah. Similar lighting scenarios Mm -hmm. and people would go from one booth to the next, but they weren't going from one booth to the next learning this concept, learning that concept. It was shooting this model, shooting that model, shooting this model. In different scenes, similar lighting. That's all so portfolio work, it's right? It's portfolio building, but here's my problem. Okay. If you take a picture that's the same as someone else's picture with a slight difference in the way the model moves, sure. it's not a portfolio piece. Mm. Not and tech, it shouldn't not, be in my portfolio. It because, shouldn't be. I do agree with that. Because it's of no value. It's right. not something I did. I you didn't, didn't do it, right. I didn't set up the background. I didn't set up the lighting. I didn't even mm. I didn't even hire the model. Mm. I didn't even hardly talk to the model. Right. I just watched the model do her three or five poses. Right. And then she's going to do the same three right. or five poses for the next person. Well, and if you didn't learn how to do it, and what we're saying is that it's difficult right. to it's very learn, difficult, if yeah. not impossible in those scenarios then you're not going to be able to recreate it faithfully. And that's and so my when concern. somebody sees it, they think you can. Well, they assume you can because you did it at did one it, point. But right? you didn't do it. But you, <laughs> right. And right. That's, that's my concern is that we're, right. we've got a lot of photographers who are building portfolios based hmm. on other people's specific knowledge other people's knowledge right other people's knowledge right, right. and other people's experience yeah and they put it on their website as though they did it mm-hmm. now if they wanted to do a blog post and say hey i went and did this workshop and these right. are the images that i right. i was taking but other people were setting up the lights this is me learning context and backstory is important that's that's one thing but okay. putting it on your front page as like this is right. an awesome shot that right. i took my fear is is that a client then says oh i'll hire that person right and then they get there and that person is like, I don't know how to do what I put on my website. Sure. And that's a problem. Yeah. yeah. So, so the only way for true learning to occur is for you to come to the conclusion yourself. And that's why Socratic method is such a great way of teaching. Oh, I'm in. I'm, I love the Socratic method. Keep and going. So the, the Socratic method for those who are not up to date on 
that very old style of teaching mm-hmm. um, is that the the teacher does not regurgitate information and expect someone to um, learn it and then regurgitate it back. It's mm-hmm. not it's not a lecture style. It's a question style. So if I'm in a lesson and I'm the educator and someone comes to me and says, what's the settings for my camera? Then my response would be, what do you think the settings right. should be? Yep. And then that person would say, well, it looks like it's 400 ISO at, you know, F8 at uh, 125th of a second. And then my response would be, well, we are indoors and we're using flash. Mm-hmm. So what do you think about that shutter speed? Oh, I see. And then that person yeah. will say, well, what do you mean? Well, what should your shutter speed be at if we're using flash right. and you're not in high speed sync? Oh, right. I should put that at 200th of a second because my sync speed on my camera is 200th yeah. of a second because I have a Canon. And so I need to put that there. Well, then what do the rest of the settings need to be? Uh, do I need to change them? Well, do you? <laughs> this is so great. I'm like watching the, and I'm the, watching the people have the conversation yeah. in my head. And right? they're like, well, okay. Uh, yes, I need to change them. Well, why would you need to change them? Because right. we are using flash. Right. Oh, I could change the power of the flash. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which flash should you change the power to? We have three of them. Yeah. Uh, just the front one. What will happen if you increase the power of the front flash, but not the back? I'll have a dark background. (laughs) Correct. Okay, so what should we do? Maybe we should increase all of them at the same. Okay, all right. And which one should be the most powerful? So this is me saying that, not them. Which one should be the most powerful? Um, The front one? Well, do you want it to look like you're out in the sun or do you want it to look like it's a flash? Yeah. Well, I want it to look like it's real. Okay. So when you look at your subject in real life outside, hmm. which is, you know, what side of them is the most powerful, which has the most light? Uh, usually the sun's hitting their hair right. and it's creating like this golden glow. Yeah. Okay. And then what does their face look like? Well, it kind of looks like it's in shade. Right. All right. So then which should be the f- powerful flash? The backlight. Yes, yeah. correct. So that kind of an interchange between a, a teacher and a learner helps the learner to actually solidify the information and be able to replicate it later. Well, because they went through the process. Right. Their brain right. built a pathway to the solution. I feel like I just learned how to light with flash. Right. But <laughs> a little bit. And, and we don't even have a flash. Oh, here. We're not even around them. I was just talking about it. Right. Which brings me to another point. Okay. <laughs> Good. So leaving the point of stations and whatever. Right. Um, I'm going to tell you about the most. I don't. Have I told you about the most important photographic semester of my career? No. Uh, when I was in college. I did not hear that. I don't okay. think. So I had two photographic professors that were really, really, really important to me throughout my career, uh, throughout my college career, both undergrad and master's degree were both at the same school. And so I, I studied under a guy named Bill Jay, who was kind of my photographic history Mm -hmm. teacher. Mm -hmm. And then my most critical photographic teacher was a guy named Eric Cronengold. 
and he uh, now both of them, one's dead, one's retired. So they're, you know, no longer there. But Eric Cronengold, I was, I came to him about my, maybe my senior year, late junior year, senior year, something like that. And I told him, I I confided with him because I had a a independent study with him. Mm. And so in an independent study, you're supposed to be able to just come in and say, I want to do a project. And then he works with you through the project. And I came in and he, we started talking about what we wanted to do for the project. And I said, you know, I have to admit, I am uninspired right now. I have nothing. I can't think of anything to photograph. I'm bored with photographing. Mm. I'm, I'm burned out. And, uh, and he said, that's fine. He said, here's what I want you to do. And this was a spring semester starts, you know, January and ends in, in late or early May. Right. And, uh, and he said this semester, do you have other photographic classes? And I said, yeah. And he goes, okay. On those photographic classes, only print stuff that you already have in the can stuff that's already photographed. And I said, yeah, I think I can do that. And that's not a problem. He goes, okay. So that stuff, that's just a darkroom class. Just practice your darkroom work on those classes. And he said, I want you to put your camera away and don't pick it up for this entire semester. Don't take one picture. Not one. I said, all right. And he said, show up here for class every week. So we had a a weekly meeting on Tuesday for an hour or so. I said, show up here and we'll talk. And so for an entire semester, for an hour every week, I came in and I sat down with Eric Cronigold and we discussed things. What things? Anything. We talked about religion. We talked about books. We talked about politics. We talked about uh, life. We talked about anything that came to our minds we just discussed and we we talked about ideas and we talked about people and we talked about motivations for things and we just talked but we talked deeply yeah and then somewhere towards the end of the semester he said i don't want you to pick up a camera until you feel driven to pick up your camera and i didn't pick up my camera until probably july of that year so a couple year, a couple months after right. the semester was over, I got an A in the class because I showed up and talked about things. You did what you were told to do. Did exactly what I was. <laughs> I didn't write a paper. I didn't take a picture. <laughs> and I, and I need everybody to understand that six months I didn't touch my camera. And when I was felt driven to pick up that camera and I took the photographs, they were better photographs yeah. than I was taking six months earlier. Right. And I realized something very important about photography, and that is that. Yes, practicing helps with the idea of shutter speed, aperture, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. If you practice, you'll get better at the mechanics of photography. But the actual true nature of photography has nothing to do with the camera and has everything to do with what's in your mind. Mm-hmm. And if you don't do something about your mind, you're not going to be an interesting photographer because you don't have any interesting thoughts. So was he teaching you how to care? No, I think he was I think he was teaching me how to think about things. 
how to think about things, how to, how to come up with ideas. Like we would have a conversation and then we would look for the humor in whatever the situation okay. was, or we would talk about something and we'd look at the, the sadness of okay. something or we, and we'd come up with ideas and we'd discuss those ideas. And I think when I walked away, I had more things to think about. Okay. And because I was thinking about things, when I put something in front of the camera, I was thinking, what am I saying? Yeah. Okay. What am I doing with this photograph? And that became more important to the photographs hmm. than the lighting and the, the shutter speed and the aperture and stuff like that. That stuff. Yeah. You got to practice at it. Right. But the most important thing about a photograph is what you're thinking. Hmm. And I think that, I think that one of the things that's lacking in photographic education today is there's a lack of thinking hmm. there's a lack of discussing photographs not not like wppi sit in front of a bunch of judges and they give it a thumbs up or a thumbs down i'm not talking about print judging i'm talking about getting up in front of a photograph and saying what is it saying what is the light doing what is the light telling us what is the person doing? How does the interchange between the person and the frame say something? We're not talking about what photographs are saying anymore. We're just talking about whether or not the model's pose is awesome and her body looks great and the lighting is awesome because it's short light versus broad light. We're, everybody's so geeking out about the process of photography and the lighting and the, you know, how it was done. That and, they're losing the, the meaning or missing the They lose the meaning. The meaning. They don't, they're not even thinking about the most impressive thing about photography, which is that it's this, it's this window into life. It's window, even if I fake it, even if I fake the life in front of the camera and I, you know, pose the people or whatever, it's still a window where I'm looking at reality but don't you think that's the re that's in part the result of the reluctance that people have to think? Now, what I'm saying is the examples that you gave in the topics that you discussed. A, you said you talked deeply. Yeah, I think there's more of a reluctance culturally to do that now. Sure, and maybe there always has been to some degree, but I feel like there's more of a reluctance to talk deeply because people are afraid of what they're going to say and what other people are going to think about what they say. Don't True. You, don't you think? No, I agree. And and, you, and you especially in things a Facebook like, culture. Well, no doubt for sure. There's no question that there's a reluctance to do that because you yeah. can see what happens when people do. Yeah. You one put, way or, one you way or the put other. put yourself up there and say, you know, I believe in this and everybody's like, oh, you're a demon. But right. Regardless, yeah. One way or the other. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Doesn't I'm matter a Republican. You're is. a demon from hell. I'm yeah. a Democrat. You're, you're a demon you're from hell. You're also a demon from hell. <laughs> and but then I mean, someone else says, demon from hell. Are you saying there's a Kevin? Yeah. <laughs> Right, right, right. You. <laughs> oh my gosh! This. Therefore, you're a flat earther. Yeah. <laughs> you don't. You don't believe the earth is flat. Have you seen the maps about the flat earthers? Yes. That's crazy I stuff. Have. Right? I actually have. I and saw a great meme the other day that showed uh, our solar system with all the planets, <laughs> and Earth looked like a pancake, but everything else was round. <laughs> And I was like, that's so good. That's perfect. Like, you can see the other planets and everything is round except round. for us. We're flat. <laughs> We're just this big flat. Yeah, that piece. makes perfect sense. But my, but you mentioned the topics that you guys discussed. You talked about, you said religion, uh, people, politics. Those are the things that we're actually told 
don't talk never about. discuss. Right. At dinner table, you're not supposed to talk religion, politics, or... I don't know. Those are the things that, those are the diseases. two that I don't know. What those are the things that stand out in my mind. Like, yeah. Don't you're ever not talk supposed about to talk things. about that stuff. So I feel like that that in and of itself is ingrained in our culture these days. Like you stay away from those topics and there, it's not necessarily those topics themselves, but the conversations that can arise from those topics can be really challenging to somebody. And if you stay away from that, then you you're in a way you're kind of giving yourself this inability to think to some degree, like right. you're, you're cutting that off. Well, and, and that's uh, there. I fear for our country and this may be heard worldwide, but I fear for our country, the United States of America simply because we've gotten so animated and angry about things that mm. we can't discuss things in just normal conversation. Right. I should be able to bring up religion and politics and have a discussion with someone on a very rational basis. And civil. I should civil. Right. And I should be able to discuss with you whatever. Right. Like, you know, I, I should be able to come up and say, I believe this and you believe that. You tell me what you believe. I tell you what I believe. And right. then Right. And then we can come to either a common ground or right. we can say, well, I don't agree with you and right. you don't agree with me. And when I go to the ballot box, I'll vote my way and you'll vote right. your way and we'll see, you know, how it turns out in the wash. And, right. and if it doesn't turn out the way I like it, I'll work harder next time to get a few more people on my side. Right. But, but I don't need to yell at you. I don't necessarily need to threaten your life with anything. Not necessarily. No, not necessarily. <laughs> But, but you're right. I think there's a, there's a lack of civility, which then says, okay, I don't want to discuss these topics. Right. But if I don't want to discuss these topics, then how am I ever going to get to the bottom of the way I feel about anything? Because I don't have a sounding board other than I can go to my acolytes so I can go talk if I talk about religion within my family, within your little echo chamber, we're all going to believe the same right. thing. And we'll be like, hurrah, we all believe right. this. And great. And we're right. If I and talk everybody else politics is at the right. dinner table mm-hmm. with my family. Mm-hmm. We're all good. Yeah. But how am I ever going to, how am I ever going to get my views to moderate if I can't discuss with, you know, someone who's completely on the other side. So right. I'm very conservative in my viewpoints. Right. But if I can't talk with someone who's a liberal, right. how am I ever going to moderate my conservative feelings with someone? Like if a liberal can come and talk to me and if someone who's very liberal, so I've got a liberal Democrat friend. Mm-hmm. In fact, one of my best friends is in New York and he's very liberal and mm-hmm. very Democrat. And we, we talk all the time. Right. I'm very conservative. He's very liberal. We talk and he has helped to moderate some of my viewpoints Yeah, a little bit more of course. towards the center. And right. I've helped him yeah. see points that come, you know, and so by talking together, we actually make society better. Mm-hmm. But instead, if we just stay in our echo chambers mm-hmm. and then we just shout and lob bullets and gun, <laughs> and, you know, bombs right. and whatever at each right. other, right? we all just become worse. Worse people. Right. And we have worse photography because it's, it doesn't say anything because no one's willing to actually put themselves out there and think about it and talk about it and be willing to take criticism. One of the best things that happened to me in college was the critiques. Mm. The critiques that happened in college were brutal. You want to talk about being able to learn. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, you learn better by critiquing your work than you do by practicing. Okay. 
I'm a firm believer that I, I get better at photography in the selection process in my computer mm -hmm. than I do out there practicing because I get to critique my work and I get to look at it and say, oh, I could have done better if I had pushed it over to that side or if I had composed it different or if I lit it from here. Because yeah. you know, that's where you actually see things in hindsight and you really get a, a view of what could have been better. And the next time you go out, you'll try it. Right. Um, but, but in college at the critiques, they were brutal. People would j like stand up and you'd be like, you'd want to just <laughs> sink into your chair. You were embarrassed and they would just castigate your work yeah. and be like, Oh, this is horrible. That's horrible. This is too close to the frame and whatever. But it, it made us tough, Yeah. but it taught us a lot. And now I see, you know, critiques, people put up a image on Instagram mm. and it's like, wow, that's beautiful. You're amazing. That's so great. And there's all this positive feedback, but nobody's learning how to do it better. Well, people will actually post stuff and say, no CC, please. No, CC con no means... constructive criticism. Oh, really? I don't, I don't want any constructive criticism for this. See, that's bizarre. Well, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's a good culture to put a photo of yourself and say, roast me. That's a, that's a weird <laughs> well, that's, concept. That, you would, uh, your wish would be granted. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it would. In today's culture. But posting a photograph and getting constructive feedback is a great thing. Well, but also part of the thing is that people don't know how to give constructive cr criticism without coming across as a jerk because they don't, they're not practiced in the art of civil discourse. That's correct. To begin with, because they haven't done it. Correct. They haven't practiced. And you know no, what? I'm on a soapbox. I got yeah, well, to step off the a little bit. The downfall to society is this, that there's not enough people getting punched in the face for the things they say. <laughs> you know, okay. like when I grew up, if I said the things that And we people, don't advocate violence. And we do not advocate violence. Right. But, but when, when I was growing up, if I said the things that people say on Facebook to each other, yeah. I'd have a bloody nose. Oh, yeah. Because oh, yeah. I'd we, have a limp to this day. Yeah, we talk right. face to face right. back then. Right. Now, people can just right. shout at each other. Right. And you're like, these people would get a bloody nose. Oh, yeah. They wouldn't. They would yeah. get punched in the face. It wouldn't they work would, well for them. Yeah, yeah, it would be horrible. Well, so just no a, one would say that kind of stuff. So, and uh, just imagine right. what art, what, just imagine for a second in this vein, what the art world would look like if you yanked historically like made disappear any piece of art that had to do with politics or religion. If they all just weren't there, it would just disappear. There wouldn't be, <laughs> there wouldn't be much left. No, there wouldn't, you know, I mean, so I mean, like, and I'm talking about like go back, like through past the great masters and everything that we have and, and yank anything that had to do with politics or religion. And it would be, gone yeah absolutely but and the thing is, is that those people like say michelangelo yeah so michelangelo is hired by the church well there you go to paint mm -hmm. and he's to paint all of the 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 creation story mm -hmm. and so the whole sistine chapel is that it's it's basically the the entire story right of the bible right uh, at least of creation and that and right. most of the bible um, up to the point that they are, it's kind of like the history of religion. Sure. Um, but at the same time that he's painting that, he's also making statements. 
Yeah, sure he is. So one of the statements that he makes is, and, and the church was ticked because Michelangelo is like making his own arguments in the art that he's making. Mm-hmm. And he puts a belly button on Adam. Oh, I didn't realize that. What the crap are I, you doing, I Michelangelo? <laughs> I didn't realize that. How do you put a... So, you know, the Well, did he do that at, on purpose? Yeah. He did. Yeah, he's putting a belly button on Michelangelo saying, I'm not sure that I buy into the idea that Adam just... Was made from appeared. dust. <laughs> right, that he wasn't... Right. Like, he's making a statement hmm. that there's a belly button on Adam. Because why would there be a belly button on Adam? Well, that's interesting. Adam's kid should have a belly right. button, but Adam shouldn't right. have a belly button right. if... Right. We're following word by word exactly what the right. Bible says. Right. And so he's making <laughs> statements. He's making an argument yeah. in his art. Yeah. And so even Michelangelo, who's hired by someone, is making a statement. Why is it that we're not making more statements in right. our photographs right. as we're I'm getting hired by a client yeah. to take pictures of them, but I should also be making some statements right. in my photographs right. that say something that mm-hmm. I can talk about and say, well, I'm I'm, I'm projecting this concept to the, you know, to the world, uh, whether it's, I'm projecting something happy or something a little bit tongue in cheek or right. whatever, right? like play. Yes. But you got to have something in your head to talk about. Otherwise there's nothing in your art. Hmm. If we're creating art, which I think that's what most people are trying to accomplish. I Everybody, think this was a very constructive critique I do. <laughs> a critique of education. Right. Yeah. No, I I I I believe that it that it has been. And I didn't know that this is where you were gonna go. Um but I'm I'm glad you did. Well you said I could go anywhere. I did. I wanted you to go where you felt led. And this was this was a good one. Um I'm trying to like think in, in my mind like because I'm a I, I like to know like what well what can I do now? Like what what should I do about this? Or what can I do about this? What, when you, how do you answer that question for yourself? Well, yeah, there's always that takeaway. So you, you have a discussion, especially if it's like, you know, you, you learn something new, Mm -hmm. but then it's that, what do I go home? What's the assignment? The take home, right? What's the take home assignment? Right. And, and at this point in my career, my take home assignment can't be put my camera down and don't take another picture because I got to feed my family. There's that. So I can't just put the camera down and not take any pictures. Right. Um, and so the assumption is anybody listening to this also can't do that. Sure. Um, but what they can do is they can read a book that has nothing to do with photography. Mm. Or what they can do is they can say, you know what, instead of looking at some, you know, favorite photographer's work, let's say that you're a portrait photographer. Yeah. And I know we're at a, 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 a conference that's completely put on by Sue Bryce. Mm-hmm. But if you're a portrait photographer, stop looking at Sue Bryce's work mm-hmm. and go look at Cartier-Bresson's work. Yeah. Or go look at Ansel Adams' work. Yeah. Or go look at Michelangelo's sculptures or Bernini. Right. Go look at, go find a museum that has five Bernini statues and spend an entire day only looking at those statues. 
and photograph those statues and study the way he worked on a three-dimensional object. Mm -hmm. I guarantee you walk away from an entire day looking at Bernini and you will have a completely different feel for the way you should pose stuff. Yeah. Like go to a conference, fine. But instead of geeking out and looking at other competitors work, Mm -hmm. go outside of your own genre, Mm -hmm. especially if you can go outside your genre, like outside photography, go to painting, look at Caravaggio. If you want to learn amazing lighting, don't look at someone who lit their photograph. Mm -hmm. Go look at Caravaggio, one of the greatest painters of all time. Go look at his uh, calling of St. Matthew. So everybody can do that. Caravaggio calling of St. Matthew and look at the light and then ask yourself, what is he saying? Mm. And, and don't just come up with the answer. Christ is calling Matthew to be an apostle. That's, that's the worst. <laughs> What's he saying besides that? <laughs> yeah. Go, go beyond that. And I want you to ask you yourself, there's, there's, so there's these guys around this table and then Christ is coming in and he's calling St. Matthew into service, but there's another character in the scene that you don't see. Ask yourself, who is it? Who's the other character in the scene that's not a person? What? I got to look this up. I'm kind of freaked out right so now. So you pull it up and you're <laughs> going to ask yourself, who's the other character? Huh. And what is the other character doing? And where is the other character coming into the frame? Hmm. And when you do that, you're going to realize, oh, I could actually say something with light. Yeah, Not just do something with right. light, but say something right. with it. Because right. that's what Caravaggio does in that painting is he doesn't just use light to illuminate people's faces, hmm. which is what most people who are making portraits do. Sure. He actually uses light to say something, yeah. to become something, right. to help the, the story along. Hmm. And so that, that painting is masterful because of what the light is doing to help the story. Hmm. And so do stuff like that. Go look at Caravaggio. Go look at uh, Bernini statues. Go go look at Jackson Pollock, for heaven's sakes. Do something. I was thinking of Jackson yeah. Pollock earlier. Go, go I look was... somewhere else yeah. and ask yeah. yourself, what can these things do to change the way I photograph yeah. and the way I make my artwork? Yeah. Because then you'll come back to your genre and instead of just being a carbon copy of Sue Bryce or a carbon copy of uh, Joel Grimes or right. whatever, you'll be your own character. Right. You'll be your own. Uh, you'll have your own ideas and you'll create your own work that's different mm-hmm. than someone else's. Mm-hmm. And that's I, I, I make it a I don't look at other people's work. I just don't. I don't look at photographers that shoot weddings. Mm. I don't geek out over their work. Right. I have no idea what they're doing. Right. I don't know what the trends are today right. because I don't look at it. I look at other photography outside of my genre. I love looking at reportage photography. Mm-hmm. I like looking at historical photographs. I, I really geek out of over just old. If I, if I show up at like a, like a antique store, I will geek out. I'll go find a box of someone's old scrap photos and I will just dig through those old black and white photos as though they're my own family. Hmm. 
it's so much fun because I'm looking at it and I'm seeing stories. Right. And I'm and that informs what I do. So when I'm taking pictures, I often call on random non-professional photographers work from little boxes of old Polaroid shots and stuff like that because they're so interesting to me and it informs what I do. I love the call to action. Yeah, do go go look at something outside. Right. right. Outside of your work and stop looking at everybody else's work that's in your genre right. and trying to copy it. But I like the go look and then think about it. Like yeah, ask yourself what's going on. Ponder it. Right. And and don't don't do what most people do is they go buy a Caravaggio book and then they flip through it. And it's like it's at the speed that someone looks through your wedding album that mm-hmm. you just made. They just kind of flip through it and they actually look at you while they're flipping pages. <laughs> they're not looking at it. Right. <laughs> open the Caravaggio right. book, right. open it to a painting and then look at it for 20 minutes. Right. Right. And ask yourself what it's saying. Write it down. If you have to set it to the side and say, what is this saying? What am I noticing? Yeah. Draw a sketch of it and say, oh, I see this over here and I see this over sure. here. And these are the shapes that they're making. If you study it, you'll learn from it. That's great. So as far as I'm concerned, if people want to do better photography, make better images, it's not about taking more pictures and trying to copy someone's work and going up to someone and asking them, what are your settings? It's more in the brain. It's more thought than that. I like it. You got to have something to say in your brain. Yeah. And then... When you're in front of a mentor, don't ask the mentor to give you the answer. Right. right. Expect the mentor to make you work right. for the answers. Right. So that you learn. So that you learn. Yeah. And that's, that's really the best way to become educated in anything, anything at all. Doesn't, it doesn't have to be photography. I think well said. No, we haven't said who, who you are yet, so can you give your website so oh, people can yeah. go there? <laughs> I'll I'll do a little intro <laughs> to introduce you, but um, uh, yeah, I my name is Jared Platt. By the way, <laughs> um, I I'm Jared Platt. I'm from Arizona. Uh, I am a educator and a photographer, mm-hmm. and my work is at jaredplatt.com. That's J A R E D P L A T T dot com, and you can find me Facebook, Twitter, whatever. It's all Jared Platt. So there's. There's only two other Jared Platts that I know of. One was a pro wrestler. Not him, right. And he died. Mm -hmm. So it's not him. And then another one just died two days ago. Oh, my. Or three days ago in a car crash. What? I have a Google alert that every time something interesting shows up with with my name, it it emails me. Oh, goodness. And all of a sudden, this thing shows up, and there's a guy, I think, on the East Coast somewhere that died in a traffic accident. And it was you. It was me. Well, you're but name. my 26 year old oh. version of me. Oh, and so so there's two people with my name that have died in the last two three years. Oh. So I'm what I keep wondering how many Jared Platts there are. Probably a significant amount. Really? I would bet. Why? That's not well, a Jared and Platt put together. I, I'm always amazed at how many times you go. Like, think about this. Every person on this planet goes and tries to set up a Gmail account yes. and they say, my name is Frederick on Sonfon. Yeah. Right. Seven at gmail.com. <laughs> right. And right. Like, who has that but, well, name? That's how you know. That's how you know that. Right. <laughs> that's, Google, that's Gmail, how, Gmail is how you know. 
That's right. Used don't, to be Hotmail. Now it's used to be Yahoo. Then it was Hotmail. That's right. Now it's Gmail. Don't go to Ancestry.com right. right. to figure out your ancestry. Just go to Google. <laughs> yeah. Try to set up an account with your name yeah. on it. You're going to find your cousins. 27. You have 27, 27 cousins. Right. <laughs> all named the same thing. My, my brother, I grew up in a very small town and my brother was named David Platt. He's my youngest brother. There's a minister named David Platt. Really? A famous, yeah, I think oh, well, so. Well, he's not that person. Okay. So David Platt, and in the same town, and this town has like 30 people in it, in the same town, our cousin had a child, named him David Platt. Okay. They ended up in the same class, in the same grade. Oh, goodness. Two David Platts. And so my brother just raised his hand and said, well, my middle name is Rex, so call me Rex. So to this day, his name is Rex Platt, not David Platt, even though his first name but is David. But he's David Rex Platt, sure. He's, but well, that's he's how... actually David Rex Peterson Platt. He, like, he's got a very long oh, name, goodness. but uh, he's now Rex Platt wow. because, because of that. my mom and my aunt, who lived, I don't know, uh, 300 yards away from each other, named their kid the same thing. <laughs> I don't get that. In fact, I don't, I don't, I don't think my mom knew that her, his cousin, that David's cousin, David Mm. had been named David for like four or five months after. Well, that's something. So apparently my family's not very close. That brings up a lot of other questions. (laughs) (laughs) Which is why I have apathy. (laughs) Controllable apathy. Because we're like, eh, we're not close. Oh man. Yes, we're a family, but. We don't really matter to each other. <laughs> we don't know that we're the we're, that we're named the same thing. That's right. We don't talk very often to our cousins. Oh wow! So. Well, thank you for this uh, second installment. I'm already looking forward to the third one. <laughs> well, it's always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. I appreciate it, brother. 